If you're going to self-manage your rental properties, you know I'm a big fan of finding that proper tool to get the job done. Well, we want to tell you about RentReady. RentReady is a really awesome property management software that allows you to manage your business from your computer or phone. Collect rent online and get paid. Find that perfect tenant with their screening and listing services and get your leases signed with the click of a button. And tenants really love using RentReady's app too. They can pay rent using card, ACH, or cash, set up auto pay, get renter's insurance if you require it, and even build their credit score through RentReady's new credit reporting feature. Did we also mention that RentReady is unlimited and all of this is flat priced? No tricks or hidden fees. RentReady is designed for people to manage their own properties so you don't have to worry about paying more for building your business. You can start managing and scaling your rental properties without scaling costs. And RentReady has given us an amazing deal to pass on to the REI Mastermind Network. You can get RentReady's annual plan for only $54 at RentReady.com when you use our special code MASTERMIND. That's RentReady.com, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code MASTERMIND, M-A-S-T-E-R. M-I-N-D at RentReady.com to get RentReady's annual plan for only $54. We're rolling. Welcome to the House Dudes Podcast, where we invite you to follow us on our journey towards financial freedom using the power of real estate. I'm Jack Haas. And I'm Josh Koth. Here at House Dudes, we believe in a couple key principles. Number one, the best way to retain information is by teaching it to others. And number two, a rising tide lifts all boats. We're not competitors, we're a community. So let's get into some real estate investing. Well, Brett, uh, thank you for joining the show here this week. And and I really got to give you a a lot of kudos for being so flexible with me here, because I know that uh, we had to reschedule this once and and, uh, I appreciate you being uh, available here uh, today. Hey Jack, it's my pleasure to be here. No problem. I have five kids. I, my my world is called flexible. That's 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 what I do these days. Young kids too. So you got to yeah. just be able to move and adapt. So uh, you know, you have this is going to be a special conversation because we haven't had a lot of tech tax experts on, and I don't know if you like being called that or not. But why don't you give a little bit about a, a little background of how you got into this and mm-hmm. and uh, what you do. Yes, thanks. So, yeah, I mean, a tax expert is probably more for like the CPA or tax attorneys. I like to say those guys are the brain surgeons. I'm more of just like the nurse, and I'm going to take your pulse and maybe maybe check you in for surgery before you you, you have something done. But, but yeah, my background is one of uh, commercial real estate investment and brokerage. I started in 2006 at Marcus and Millichap while I was still in college, and I learned sort of um, everything that has to do with apartment buildings and buying and selling and operating operating and owning um, through either investing myself or helping my clients do the same. Along the lines, we learned a strategy called a deferred sales trust in about 2009. And from that time, I've studied and focused on that strategy as a alternative or a backup plan for a failed 1031 and have now launched uh, the company here, Capital Gains Tax Solutions, to educate as many people as I can about it. Yeah, so let's let's start there. What could you define like what is a deferred sales trust? 
And how does that yeah, work? Yeah, it, it, it's a tax deferral strategy, sort of like a 1031 exchange, if any of your uh, listeners know about that. Uh, and, it, and it's uh, based upon IRC 453, which is just known as a seller carryback or or seller financing is maybe what your listeners would know it as. Um, so it's a main, with the deferred sales trust, we just, we call it a manufactured installment sale. We just add an additional trust um, to the equation to, to make this work. But essentially anyone trying to defer taxes on the sale of a business, primary home, commercial real estate, artwork or collectible, they can use a deferred sales trust as opposed to a 1031 exchange, which is very rigid and is, is really just for investment properties. Sure. So what typically, what this, since this is a different strategy than we've talked about in the past, is there any uh, additional like benefits, especially regarding additional tax savings there? Absolutely. I like to call the 1031 exchange the hammer and the deferred sales trust the screwdriver. And each of them have their own role and their own benefits um, versus the other. With the 1031 exchange, let's start there as a kind of a context and, and, and uh, for, for um, tax deferral. So you can trade, let's say, uh, a duplex for a fourplex or a fourplex for a, a, an eight unit, as long as it's equal or greater value is really the key here. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a number of units. But let's just say you had a $500,000 property and you've owned it for, let's say, 27 and a half years. It's fully depreciated. Let's say it's an apartment complex and you were to sell it today. If you don't do a tax deferral strategy, you're going to be hit with somewhere between 30 and 50% of the gain being wiped out by state, federal, Obamacare, and depreciation recapture. So we always start with what is the depreciation um, and what is the capital gains tax that you're facing. And then from there, maybe a tax deferral strategy would be good. So people do 1031 exchanges to defer the tax so they can earn more wealth. Well, the deferred sales trust is just an installment sale. um, But the key benefits are that you don't have to go back into real estate at all. But you can, and but the key is you don't have to go back within a short period of time. So the 1031 exchange, the intent is to do tax deferral, but the challenge is you have to do it within 180 days, mm-hmm. which too often for so many more of my clients in the past meant they had to overpay for properties. You know, they're selling in a high market and 180 days later, they're buying in a higher market. And mm-hmm. so we call this the sell high, buy higher strategy, which we don't think is a very good strategy. We think the sell high, buy low is the ideal strategy. We call this optimal timing. So the deferred sales trust solves all of that and that you don't have to go back in and within 180 days. In fact, you can go back in five years from now or, or tomorrow or whenever you want, all tax deferred. And the next part is this, you can have a new depreciation schedule. So one of the number one reasons to own real estate, Jack, is to have the depreciation offset the income that's coming in. So let's just say for $100 of rent that's coming in, perhaps you can write off $10 of that against against the property. Therefore, although you're receiving $100 in cash flow, $90 is being taxed. So that's one of the key reasons to own investment in real estate. Now, if you own it long enough, your depreciation gets depleted. And as it gets gets depleted, you have less and less and less of that, and that's why you do 1031 exchanges to get try to get more. Uh, but mm-hmm. again, the depreciation schedule travels. You can only get more if you buy a brand new property. Um, I'm sorry, if you only get more if you do an exchange and buy an extra extra uh, bigger amount to make sure you get the actual uh, more depreciation. So I'll just give an example. So five hundred thousand dollar sale again. Let's say you're fully depreciated. If you do a ten thirty one exchange on that five hundred thousand dollar deal and you buy an exact five hundred thousand dollar deal, you have no depreciation. 
Okay. Now, if you buy a million, $1.2 million deal with that $500,000, now you have $700,000 of depreciation, right? Minus the 500 that you've already used. So the solution to that is the deferred sales trust. If you buy that same $500,000 deal through the deferred sales trust, you're getting a brand new $500,000 depreciation. And here's why. At 1031 exchange, the depreciation travels. IRC 453, you're not traveling the depreciation. Uh, In fact, you're parking the money and then you're partnering, forming a new LLC, which you're going to buy the property, which gives you a brand new depreciation. I'm going to pause there because you might have some questions there. Yeah. Well, there's quite a few questions there, but you know, one of, one of the big ones is that, you know, on the face of it here now, it's, it's almost sounds too good to be true. Like what, what type of person or situation is this a good fit for? I mean, we always see 1031 exchange as the default for any of these type of transactions. So this is kind of a new concept here. Yeah. Let's give you a little bit of demographics and some of the profiles for our clients that have used the trust. So according to the American Bankers Association, there's about 17 to $20 trillion, which will pass from one generation to the next in the next 20 years. And this is known as the baby boomers. And it's known as the largest wealth transfer in the history of the planet that we know of. And it's happening right now. Okay. And the challenge is they're faced with 30 to 50% of their gain being wiped out by, again, capital gains tax, depreciation recapture, and in fact, there's 77 million baby boomers in the U.S. alone. Mm-hmm. And every single day, there's about 10,000 of those are turning 65. And they've made their wealth, Jack, right? They've worked hard for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. They've invested blood, sweat, and tears into their business, into their real estate. And they are ready to retire and or ready to have some liquidity, some diversification, right? To be more passive, not so active in their commercial real estate holdings. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a live deal that just closed a few, uh, about a month and a half ago. It's a gentleman named Peter. He's out of Marine, California. He's a longtime real estate real uh, broker, does, has done lots of 1031 exchanges. He's driving into South Sacramento, which is a very tough neighborhood, fighting traffic, okay? Banging on 18 units to, to try to collect rents, um, evictions, Unit uh, management issues. I mean, he, it's just um, it's just really intensive. Okay, intensive for his time and energy. So he decided to do the deferred sales trust. And I said, mm-hmm. Peter, why? He said, Well, Brett, I didn't want to trade eighteen problems. I already have eighteen problems right now. I didn't want to trade for thirty six problems. I. So you were talking about Peter. Yeah, so I was talking about Peter. And so for his scenario, he had a, about a $1.8 million sale and he had about 500000 in debt. And he had already gone through the 2008 crisis and he almost lost everything. And he was just tired of doing 18 units and he didn't want to trade for 36 units. He didn't want new toilets, new trash, new liability. He actually wanted to pay off all of his debt, have liquidity. Here's the key, have diversification. Okay, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But essentially, he put all the proceeds into the trust. Now he has 1.3 in the trust. He deferred the $500,000 liability that he had, and he paid off the $500,000 debt he had. And now he's sitting on what we like to call on the sidelines. Okay, he's in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, conservative allocations of his choosing because the stock market, as we know it, is is also pretty um, pretty high right now. And um, I'm an investment real estate. Um, um, owner and investor by by nature since I grew up with my dad in the Bay Area building custom homes. So I actually, we don't, we're not very high on the stock market, but it has its place, right? And, mm-hmm. and as long as you can diversify and put it in some safe instruments, but that's another conversation. But the point is he is waiting because he doesn't want to overpay for a property. He'd rather sit on the sidelines, make lower returns and some safe instruments than overpay for a property, stay in debt 
and have to deal with all the management all over again or have to hire management. So he goes, Brett, I didn't want 18 problems. I didn't want 36. I'm so glad I had the deferred sales trust. I have so much more time and energy to spend with my wife, travel, do whatever I want instead of fighting traffic to go collect rents. Sure. So, you know, I'd even guess that some people uh, would even ask, be as bold as saying, is this legal? I mean, it it sounds... Yeah. Like it's, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to guess that some people would even ask that, but could you talk? Of about course. And they should ask it, Jack. That's the, okay, sorry, you finished your thought. No, no, go ahead. And then I'd like to even talk a little bit then also about, I'm going to guess that, you know, you have a company that specializes in this. I mean, they need some help managing this piece of, of their portfolio. How do the fees and how do you, tra- I'm sure there's a lot of record tracking and, and everything else that's going on here. Yeah, let's finish with a few benefits and then we'll touch on the legality, the cost, and the ideal um, kind of client. Um, sure. And, and so so you get a new depreciation schedule, you get optimal timing, you get to pay off your debt, you get to have what's called liquidity, meaning if you're in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, and, and for, for Peter's deal, it's $1.3 million. If he wants to cash out of all of it tomorrow, he can and pay the tax. Mm-hmm. If he wants to cash out small portions along the way, he can. <laughs> I call that trade plus three, meaning you just put the order in and then three or, three or four business days, um, the cash is sent to you. Now you're going to pay the tax on that amount that you receive versus an illiquid asset, such as a primary home, business, or commercial real estate. They could take three to six months to sell or, or do a refi, mm-hmm. right? So now single family homes, you know, it's quicker, right? And it's a, maybe a little more liquid, but the point is it's, uh, it's based upon somebody else giving you a loan or giving you funding. So a lot of these baby boomers are looking for the retirement. They're looking for the liquidity. They're looking to diversify. The other part of the diversification, which I think your listeners will like, is the ability to diversify within commercial real estate. So once the $1.3 million is in the trust, which it is now, up to 80% of the funds can be used to go buy a brand new deal or go do some house flips. Mm-hmm. So for example, it be, we call it the go fund yourself. By partnering with your trust, you don't have to do equal or greater value because we're not doing a 1031. You could use that to go buy your house flip for 150000 use the other fifty to improve it, sell it. And what do you do? You move all the funds back in and you go do it again. You go do it again. You go do it again. At any point, you need to have 20% sitting in kind of the, we call it the reserve with, mm-hmm. uh, with liquid investments. Um, but you're doing it optimal timing. You're doing it when you find a deal, not because you have to have 180 days and a 45 days to identify. The other part of your listeners might be interesting is some of you, some of them own multiple single family homes. And one of the biggest mm-hmm. challenges for multiple single family homeowners is trying to time a sale when all of them sell at once to do this 1031 exchange perfectly, right? Which honestly really doesn't work out most of what I've heard. The only way it really works out, practically speaking, is if you take a discount of 20 or or 25% to an investor who's going to buy all of them as a pool, and then you go to your 1031 and then you do it, right? Mm -hmm. The first sales trust is perfect because we we solve that completely where you can sell each property and ideally you're going to sell it to a primary homeowner, right? Who's going to pay that extra 20% more. And then you're going to move slowly, one trust, you're going to move slowly, let's say it's 20 houses into the trust. Right. It's your own timing, your own pace, right? And now you have an extra 20% already there. You're deferring probably, let's say, 35, 40% there. And now you have this pool of money of which you, some of your listeners might want to go buy 50 unit apartment complex, right? Sure. And so now we just consolidate it. 
we've paid off the debt and we've given them optimal timing, which is the number one way I think you make money in real estate is timing. You make it on the buy. You make it when you, there's, there's, there's blood in the streets, right? And then there's foreclosures when there's a value at play. And by the way, you can find deals in every market. The key is, do you have enough time to find it? Right. So that is the liquidity piece. That is the diversification piece. Also, they might say, hey, Jack, you have a portfolio of deals. How about I give you 100,000 of that 1.3? And how about so-and-so over there who focuses on mobile home park? Let's operate. Let's do that one. You don't always have to be your own, right? You can, you can right. truly be passive in this and you can go with trusted people who own commercial real estate. And let's walk quickly how that works. So you form an LLC, Jack. Let's imagine it was your deal. And you fund, let's say, $500,000 into this brand new LLC, of which you're the managing member of. Okay. You set up an 80 20 partnership. Sure. Okay. Now, but the key is the trust put up $500,000. They put up 100% of the down payment. Okay. okay. Now, with that amount, you can go invest in commercial real estate or a new business venture or first trust deeds. It's really flexible what you can invest in. And then what happens? Well, you pay back the preferred return to the trust. Okay, we typically mirror the note. By the way, most of our notes go for 10 years. At the end of 10 years, you can renew for 10, renew for 10, it can pass on to your kids. The idea is to pay the tax the second day to never and just live off the cash flow and pay ordinary income on that. Mm-hmm. Most of our notes earn 8% after fees to the trustee and the financial advisor. You're net about 6.5%, just depending on the size of the deal. Sure. Okay, so now you're, 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 receiving, you're receiving the income from the deal. And the trust is receiving the income back from the LLC, of which then it can pay you as well. So mm-hmm. you're essentially using the trust to fund new purchases at optimal timing. So I'll freeze there because they might have some questions. And like you said, we don't get too much into the weeds. Yeah. So can you go into a little bit more detail then about that piece of it? On I was try- I was going to ask you how people actually get paid. You know, like. Uh, because typically when I've seen some sort of trust type scenario, all of the money or the proceeds have to go back to the trust. But you basically have a way in which the individual can earn some of this by by having that. Is, is, is it via that other LLC, that exterior LLC? So taking the LLC out of it, if you just put it 100% with a financial advisor, by the way, you can choose your own financial advisor, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and we have thousands of financial advisors across the U.S. Who, who, are, who are strategic alliances. As a trustee, I can never move the funds. Uh, I can only sign off and get, uh, and with, with the note holder signature. Uh, but the point is, um, you, you receive a note payment. It, you've literally done a seller carryback with the trust. So sure. again, let's imagine it's a $1.3 million, which is say it's your, your deal that you just sold. The $1.3 million is sitting in the trust and it was a note and you have a note and the note determines the payment. Now you may say, look, I, I don't need any of that income right now. Let's just let it compound, which we have some clients do that, mm-hmm. which is unique in that you can let it compound on top of itself. Therefore, you're not receiving the income. Therefore, you're not paying the tax right now. It's all deferring on top of itself. But you may say, you know, you know what? I like to take interest only payments after the fees. Let's just take the principal and balance. Okay. And let's just say that's around six and a half percent. You can pay ordinary income tax on that. Practically speaking, how it works is, is there's a bank and there's these investments and all the money goes from, from escrow to the bank. And then from the bank, it goes to the investments and the investments produce a return, which goes back to the bank and the bank makes a note payment to you once a month. Sure. So you can skin that note any way you want. You can do fully amortized. You can do interest only. You could do, and every six to 12 months, you can kind of do what's called a refinance. doesn't cost mm-hmm. you anything additional to refinance, but um, just based upon your needs and your risk and what you want to do, that can be adjusted. Sure. 
Okay, that's really that's really interesting. And then there really isn't any limitations on how you can. Is there any limitations or rules on how you can use those funds? Yes. So you can't go into a primary home. Same reason you can't do a 1031 to a primary home, primary home, because that's called constructive or actual receipt of the funds. Right. You also can't do day trading yourself. You need to have a third party financial advisor. Okay. Also, this is my this is where my role comes in. I'm the trustee. The trustee must be a third party, unrelated trustee. Mm-hmm. So the financial advisor needs to be unrelated. It needs to be a third party. Same with the trustee, unrelated, third party. And also the financial advisor can't be the trustee. We call this the balance of powers, which keeps the whole integrity of the trust working. Um, so you have the financial advisor, you have the trustee, you have the tax attorney. Each of those entities can't be one another. And then there's a note holder, you in the middle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, that's it. And, and, and then you, you, uh, you can buy and trade again whenever you want to. So does that answer the, the kind of the basics? And we can get, we can get yeah, to the legality yeah. part and the and the, um, the the track record as well. If you're ready, sure. Well, let's let's start with um, like, is there a minimum amount that a, a trust can be at? Like, is it fifty thousand? Is it hundred thousand? What's the minimum? Great question. The better can... one would be, what's the best ROI, the return on investment? Is there, is there a deal that's too small that doesn't make sense? Okay, sure. and so we found that for every hundred thousand dollars in actual liability, that's the check you're going to write. Mm-hmm. Not just your, your gain would be probably about $300,000 gain, right? To get you about 100000 in liability. So the liability is the state, federal, Obamacare, depreciation recapture. If that's 100000 or greater, first step. Second one, for every $500,000 of proceeds. Sure. Okay, so let's give an example. If you had a $10 million deal, Jack, and only had $100,000 of liability, it's just pay the tax and walk away with the 999 right? Mm-hmm. Now, if it's $10 million deal and you have $4 million in tax, Jack, talk to us, right? Because that's serious. That's a serious 40% of your, of your gain. Now, if it's $500,000 and it's $100,000, okay, good. So those are kind of the ratios there. Our sure. average deal is about $2.6 million, and we're deferring somewhere around three fifty dollars to $500,000 in liability, okay? okay? We just did a deal last week. It was a $3 million sale, and she, she as a primary home in Cupertino, and she deferred about $350,000 in tax, but her, her, her uh, net was about 1.8 because she had some debt on that. So she knocked off that debt. She put the 1.8. So um, yeah, so every deal is a little different. We have a deferred sales trust calculator that you can answer 12 questions online. It's totally free. gives a side-by-side comparison um, to, to, to figure that out. And I'll make sure to include that in the show notes uh, so let's jump back to the legality and a few of those other questions I had previously there. Then. Yes. And by the way, that's the number one question you should be asking, Jack, or anyone else on this call of us or anyone else who brings you a strategy for taxes, um, you want it, or any strategy that per se, but especially if it sounds too good to be true, right? Because that's the number one right. thing we have. This seems like it's too good to be true. It's we, And we know it seems like your CPA would have told you. It seems like you would have heard this years ago, right? Mm-hmm. But let's just start with the legality and the track record. Okay. So First of all, the first question you want to ask is, what is the tax code, right? So someone brings you a new strategy, what's the tax code? For the Deferred Sales Trust, it's IRC 453, which is just an installment sale, which your listeners probably know of. If they don't, your CPA definitely knows about it. Well, what's sure. that law? Well, it goes back to the 1920s. Um, installment sale 1031, those are the two main tax deferral strategies okay, that people use. Two main mm-hmm. ones. And there's some charitable stuff or, you know, but those are the two main ones. Um, so 
1031 goes back to about 1954, and then it really didn't become popular until the Starker Exchange case, and then so like the 80s, the 90s, it came, you know, really got popular. But installment sale 1920, okay, and you've probably done installment sales yourself, Jack. Like, I mean, it's it's not it's not a it's not a complex law. It's very simple, tried and true. Okay, that's the first thing. Okay, so the next one is well, okay, okay. So you're doing an installment sale, but how many of these have you closed? Well, thousands of closes. Okay, mm-hmm. how long you've been doing it for? 23 years. Okay. The next one is, well, how many of those thousands of closes have been audited by the IRS? The answer is 14. Okay. Of those 14, what was the largest one? It was for over $100 million, a deal in California, commercial real estate property. Okay. Have there been any issues with the IRS? Not one single issue. The next question you want to ask, well, are there any live pending court cases or audits going on? No. When was your last audit? Earlier this year, it was a formal audit of the entire structure of the tax attorney, of the co-founder of the Deferred Sales Trust. And in fact, that same formal audit wasn't tied to a case happened in 2008. And it was the exact same conclusion, not one single issue. In fact, this is what they said, Jack. They said, look, you guys are just doing an installment sale. Now, you're being creative on how you're doing it with this third-party trust, which is in it for business purpose, which can make a, make a, make a fee but you're just doing an installment sale. The next questions your listeners might be asking is, well, why does the government allow this? It seems too good to be true, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they allow these tax incentive loopholes, legal loopholes to incentivize people from putting all their money under their mattress, right? Right. They want to keep it in stocks, bonds, mutual funds. They want to keep it in real estate. Why? Because that spurs economic growth. So it's the study of macroeconomics, which states if I can keep more money in the open marketplace, capitalism, right? It's actually going to net more tax dollars in the long run versus taxing somebody up front or not giving any tax deferral options because most people would just would never sell, mm-hmm. right? So you don't, get the, you don't get the attorney fees, you don't get the realtor fees, you don't get the construction fees, you don't get people up, you know, expanding their businesses. So these are all built in to actually spur the economy. The second reason is the government doesn't want to be in the business of being a lender, okay? Mm-hmm. In fact, part of the 08 crisis was some of the government and was tied to some of the banks, right? And some of that stuff, they don't want to be in that business because that, that puts everyone at risk. So mm-hmm. one way to incentivize and, and to, to, to hedge against that is to say, we need to allow American citizens to be lenders of their own, be their own bank, right? right, right. Okay. The next one is, well, how do I know the funds are protected? All right. How do you know this trustee that I've never met, Brett Swartz, I'm here on this podcast, is not going to take my millions of dollars and go to Mexico, okay? Uh, first of all, you have 24-7 access to view the funds. Second, our funds are held at some of the largest banks in the world, Bank of New York Mellon, Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade. Next, the funds only ever move with the note holder's signature, okay? So, Jack, if you had the $1.3 million deal and you owed 300000 in tax and you paid it and you walked into a financial advising office and said, here, manage my million, do the funds move without your signature? No. Now, if you walk into that same financial advising office and say, hey, talk to Brett, I want you to manage the trust or let's, let's get this all connected, the 1.3, do the funds move without your signature? No. So it's the exact same thing. Now, it does take a trustee. I have to sign off on it because that's my role. I want to make sure that everything's protected. But you are the ultimate creditor. It's the same reason a bank gives you a loan, Jack, right? Mm-hmm. They right. say, yeah, go buy your house, Jack. You be the owner but we have a loan. They're not concerned you're just going to sell that house and not pay them back. Why? Because there's protections in place and they have rights, right? Same exact thing, okay? So um, that's the fun part. The next one is just get to know us, right? It all seems too good to be true, but 
get to know us. We want you to bring in your trusted advisors, your CPAs, your tax attorneys. Those are the brain surgeons, your, your trusted people, financial advisors you've been working with for years. Bring them in. In fact, that's how a lot of people join us. Once they learn about it, hear about it, they join us and they offer it to all of their clients. That's how we organically grow. Um, but we want to tell you this. Uh, we don't get paid unless you do the deal. So a lot of tax attorneys and, and even uh, consultants, they'll charge you just for hourly rates just to talk. We don't charge anything. We, in fact, we will set up all of the trust, every, everything in place, get all ready to go. If your deal doesn't close or for some reason you choose not to do it, no problem. We're not pushy salesmen. We just say, here's your options, A, B, or C. What do you want to do? And if it happens to work out, great. So, but if you do close, we'll talk about fees here at the next, then yeah, we actually get paid um, but really, my role is just the nurse, right? I'm not mm. the brain surgeon. The brain surgeon is the tax attorney and the CPA. And I would tell your listeners this too. Your CPA or, or tax person may not be an expert in brain surgery. They may be a good knee surgeon. They may be a good general practitioner. But just because they haven't heard of it or don't maybe understand everything about it doesn't mean the brain surgeon has ever lost a patient or anyone's ever gone to jail, right? And that's the key. Has anyone ever died? No. Has everyone ever got the taxes were triggered? Nope. Has anyone ever went to jail? No. So we also encourage you to, you know, push back on the CPA, even though they're like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because they're not necessarily incentivized to say yes, but they're not trained in this. Like all our tax attorney does is these deferred sales trusts. He, in Mm -hmm. fact, he's the number one installment sale uh, attorney in the U.S., and this is what he focuses on. So, but that being said, we do want to bring them in. We want to get their blessing and we want to make sure that uh, everyone is as comfortable as they can be with the structure, who we are and, and, and why we do what we do. Sure. You know, a lot of people put money in a trust because of the legal protection associated with it. Is that something that I, I know it's probably a lawyer question, but is there a lot of benefit associated with the trust you're talking about regarding that, that asset protection? protection? Yeah, so on asset protection, great question. So depending on what state you live in, there's some extra extra opportunities for that. Um, but just so your listeners know, this this note is becomes an asset inside of your living trust, okay? Mm-hmm. And it passes in your living trust. And I'm just a tr- and my role is just the trustee of this small deferred deferred sales trust, which is part of your bigger overall living trust, which you have a trustee on as well eventually, right? So uh, the the deferred sales trust in and of itself doesn't necessarily have asset protection per se, okay? However, um, depending on the circumstance, depending on on, on what we've... I've heard some of of the brain surgeon tax attorneys talk about, um, the income may be subject to judgments, right? But Mm -hmm. the actual, um, you know, uh, again, every circumstance is a little bit different may not be subject to that's protected, right? So let's say the million principles in there, it's 6% is paying out. Um, they may not be able to get to the million, but they could get to the to the interest. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. No, that does make sense. So uh, talk a little bit about the fee structure. How do you get paid? How does yeah, so how do we How do we get paid, right? <laughs> so uh, there's three sets of fees. Okay. We'll start with the tax attorney because that fee is a one-time fee. It's 1.5% on the first million and it's 1.25% on anything above. So let's imagine it was a $3 million deal. On the first million, be 1.5%. And then the 2 million remaining be 1.25%. Now, this includes legal and tax structure and includes audit defense for the life of the trust. Okay. Okay. Second set of fees is to my company, Capital Gains Tax Solutions, as the trustee fee. We get paid at close of escrow and then once a year at the anniversary based upon the assets, uh, 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 the number, uh, the, the amount 
of, of value in the, in the trust, okay? So it's 50 basis points. It's a half of 1%. Okay. As long as you're 100% with the financial advisor in securities, okay? Mm-hmm. And let me jump down to the financial advisor and then I'll jump back up to the trustee. So, well, what's the financial advisor charging? Well, somewhere between 50 basis points and 130 basis points. Just depends on how and where the funds are invested, okay? Right. Um, and whether or not you use um, our, our, one of our strategic alliances, which charges even a little bit less. So, so just call it, call it one and a half generally is going to be the recurring fee, you know, for trustee plus financial advisor, give or take. Now, if you go into real estate, you're like, you know what, Brett, that's great. I like financial advising, but I actually want to go back into real estate. Well, for that amount that you send out, remember, you can do up to 80%. Let's imagine it was a $1 million case. So 800,000 goes out to an apartment complex over here. Mm-hmm. Well, now the financial advisor is no longer managing that, right? So he, he's not getting paid, but the trustee fee does double. It goes from 50 basis points to one point. So most of our notes earn eight. And remember in the beginning, I said after fees net about six and a half. That's how we kind of get to that number, right? Sure, sure. But remember, when you're owning that apartment complex, let's say you're earning 10, 12, 15%. After you pay back the eight to the trust, which is going to pay you, that upside is 80-20. It's 80% to you, the note holder, individually, and only Mm -hmm. 20% to the trust. Plus, you just got a brand new depreciation schedule, right? Sure. Now you add value to that million dollar deal and now it's worth three. What happens? Well, same thing. You pay back the preferred return and then 80, 20, 20% goes to the trust. The other 80 is to you. However, mm-hmm. you may want to roll that into the trust too. Right. Sure. And then we call that rinse, wash, repeat. Sure. Yeah. This is, this is really interesting. Like there's there, you, it sounds like you've got a way to really maintain control and and you don't have a lot of pressure associated with because I know somebody right now who's going through the the uh, sprint of the 1031 exchange uh, they're trying to identify that property and and get it under contract you know there's all of these requirements in such a compressed time and uh, what's unfortunate is that you know based on where I live our buying season is always cyclical especially in winter and the best time to buy in my market is the dead of winter because, I mean, that's when uh, people, people are, are experiencing. They're going to sell the dead of winter. something yeah. happening now. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, they're not going to have that, that luxury. I mean, they, they have to act within a certain amount of time. So You hit it on the head. We want to free people from feeling trapped by capital gains tax. We want to free them from feeling trapped by the 1031. We want to eliminate the need for the 1031. Unfortunately, the investment commercial real estate world, it's kind of like a religion. And one of their doctrines is the 1031. Mm -hmm. And they're just so married to this doctrine of 1031 that they don't realize there's another really good doctrine right here that's been around even longer. It's called IRC 453. And, but they think of it in a traditional sense. In a traditional sense, it's not that attractive because the, the note holder is going to pay you back pretty quick. You're not diversified. You're tied to that person. But as soon as they, you know, connect with us, learn this, understand it. And it's like riding a bike. The first time is going to be a little bit wobbly, but so was their first 1031 exchange. But when you ride the bike once or twice and you have trusted team members around you, okay, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're flying, right? You're, and then, then we, we just don't want, anyone to feel like they have to do a 1031 anymore. And then remember, it works for a business. A business owner doesn't have a 1031 option. Mm-hmm. I've yet to find anyone do a 1031 with a business. So we have dentists, veterinarians that sell, 
And if they don't meet us, they could pay a couple million in tax. Right. And you're like, whoa, what were you going to do with the money? Well, I was going to give it to my stockbroker or I was going to invest in some in properties. Well, would you like to have a couple million more? Yeah, I wish somebody would have told me about it. So business owners is number one. Okay, so circling sure. back to your number one question, like, well, who is this you know, pretty good for? Number one is a business owner. Highly appreciate it. Dentist, veterinarian, tech company, you name it, any company, really. Mm-hmm. Business owner, number one. Number two, high-end primary homeowner, right? Meaning mm-hmm. they bought in the Silicon Valley or New York or one of these major, major you know, areas on the East Coast, and they bought it 30 years ago for 250000 and now it's worth $3 million, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have a 1031 option. They only have what's called a 121 exclusion, which states if you live there two the last five years, you have a 250 tax-free or 500 if you're married, tax-free. But above and beyond that, they have none. I'll give you two, two, two deals. One was in Newport Beach, $26 million primary home sale. I know in North Dakota, there may not be some of those on the beach, but because there is no <laughs> beach, right? No. But the point is, you know, if anyone knows anybody, it, it works. So $6 million above and beyond their exclusion, they deferred. They use the deferred sales trust. You can call them. Second one, I'm closing right now. It's who's asking with a number one realtor in Keller Williams multiple years in a row. He sells about $100 million or so in Palo Alto area every year. And he's selling his $14 million home. He's, we're going to help him defer $2 million in capital gains tax above his exclusion. So this becomes kind of the only game in town for the primary homeowner, really the only game in town for the, for the business owner. And commercial real estate, you have the 1031. And by the way, if you can find a 1031, great. If you can find a deal that makes sense for you, fantastic. In fact, we want, we want you to do that. But if for some reason you can't, we want you to uh, know that we can be a backup plan for a failed 1031 or just that close of escrow we can help you right there. We can help you uh, just just you know do 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 a deferred sales trust right there. Sure. So you know I I, I have a feeling you and I could chat f- for a lot longer. But is there an, any other questions that uh, you wish we would have asked or covered here today? Oh, I don't think so. You know, it's probably a fire hose for your listeners. So I would just encourage them to to just connect with us. We have a YouTube channel. We have our website, we have free webinars, we have free one-on-one consultation calls, right. and just slowly get to know us. Like anything else, you got to take your time to do your education. Now, be, be early though, because someone might be saying, well, what are the, what are the next steps? I, I want to really consider this. Well, schedule that call, use our deferred sales trust calculator, make sure your liability is big enough. And then if that looks good, we get on with, with the tax attorney and talk, mm-hmm. bring in your trusted advisors. If that looks good, you sign a conditional engagement agreement which is completely conditional. Nothing's owed unless you do the deal. And then we just connect with escrow. At that point, it's just like, like forming an LLC. We're just doing some paperwork, connecting with escrow. And, and before you close on anything, you fill out a risk tolerance questionnaire. And that determines for how and where the funds are invested. That's maybe something we didn't touch on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a two-page questionnaire. And that becomes the constitution for how it's invested. And then, um, and then we close, right? And, now, and then you're living off the, the income. And, and then that's it. you know. And people get pretty happy, especially if they're ready to retire and they're just like, or they're just ready to be more entrepreneurial and get diversification and have that optimal timing, which is, um, which is the message we're spreading right now. So, so, well, I really thank you for joining me here today. This is really an eye opener and I hope some, some people have really taken a lot out of this one and, and see that there is a very attractive alternative to that 1031 exchange. I will make sure to include links to your your website and your YouTube channel and, and everything in the show notes. I, I, again, thank you. I really value your time and this has been a great conversation. 
My pleasure. And again, it's capitalgainstaxsolutions.com for your listeners who are to find that or search Capital Gains Tax Solutions on YouTube, LinkedIn, BiggerPockets, uh, or Brett Swartz. And you can find me there too. Well, thank you again, Brett. Thanks, Jack. We've put a lot of effort into providing useful content. And if you found value in the show and have any interest in supporting us with a small donation, head over to patreon.com slash housedudes. And if you have any thoughts or questions, shoot us an email at info at housedudes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at housedudes. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps other investors out there find the show. And remember, massive positive impact requires massive positive action. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by housedudes.com. Do you have time to actively manage flipping and rentals yourself? If so, go for it. If you live in a market that won't cash flow or don't have the time to do all the work, are you just out of luck? If there was a way to participate more passively, would that appeal to you? I'm sure you have questions about how the process works and what to do next. If that's the case, fill out the form on housedudes.com investors, and we'll reach out to see if you are a good fit for our business. This is first come, first serve, and we will have to stop taking applications when our goals are met. See you at housedudes.com investors. I don't like to tell a man what to do with his money, but if you ain't investing in property, then you're dumber than a dummy. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. Well, buy property. That's my advice.